Hello and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our goal is to help people all around the world experience the love and power of Jesus and live passionately devoted to Him. We pray that the podcast is just that for you. Thank you for joining us on this journey and may burning witnesses arise for Him all around the world. All right, how is everybody? You can go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and be seated. As you're doing that, uh, it's a joy to be with you guys tonight. If you brought a Bible, how many of you have a Bible? All right, let me see. Okay, let's go. All right, if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, as you're turning there, uh, we feel really privileged to be with you tonight. It's an honor to be able to come and join in with you once again and what the Lord is doing here. Um, unique in the midst of this people and this family and the extraordinary um, advancing of the kingdom uh, that is happening through you together as a church family and a people given over to God's purposes. Um, So we feel really blessed and honored to be with you tonight. I say we, me and my wife Anna here and um, Stephen and Cherie who have come with us. Uh, But it's just a joy to be here tonight. And I've got a, just a crazy sense, man, that like God is going to blow us away. Um, <laughs> you you got to understand, though, like I, I don't get into the whole like cheerleading and like emotionalism and all the hype and stuff. Like all of that is amazing, uh, but we want something real. We want something authentic. I want something that's not going to wear off after a couple of days. Right, like just the emotional high and all of that. No, no, no. We we want an authentic, transformative, powerful move of God's Spirit um, to touch us and to change us and to demonstrate God's power and goodness in the midst of us. Right. So uh, I really feel, man, that like the Lord's going to do some special stuff tonight. Um, we love you, Pastor Jordan. Um, thank you, man, uh, for having us. Uh, We really honor you, man, and have been standing with you guys over this time and these days. Um, In Romans chapter 8, tonight, I believe that the Lord wants to awaken an appetite for the things of God. Um, Now, I get it. it, we, We all live with a certain measure of hunger. We all experience hunger in a variety of ways. Hunger is motivation. Hunger drives us at times. If you've ever had an appetite for something and been willing to make a move on behalf of the appetite or the craving or the desire that you were gripped with in order to satisfy what it was that you were hungering after. Uh, Maybe in, like they say, the wee hours of the night and all of a sudden the desire for the snack or whatever it may be that's of your liking or your preference that drives you to the refrigerator or the pantry um, in other times when maybe you would not have made the move. We all experience hunger in ways that makes us do things from time to time. And I believe that tonight the Lord wants to awaken an appetite for the things of God. I believe that in the moment of history that we're living for, there are a lot of things to live for. That the world is filled with a variety of incentives and attractions, that there are all types 
of glistening lights and important things that the world is trying to lobby for our attention. That there is a rivalry or there is a competition in the influence of people's hearts for the agenda that is going to win out in the hour of history that we are living in. And as you look at Romans 8, Romans 8 has a variety of places where it references a groaning that is happening. Creation is referenced as groaning. We that bear the Spirit are referenced as groaning. And then too, it says that the Spirit is groaning, praying or interceding for the saints, praying in perfect alignment with the will of God for those that believe. When you look at Romans chapter eight, and we'll read a couple of these verses together, um, I wanna bring your attention first, we'll start in verse 19, and just kind of pick it up there and find our bearings for where I believe the Lord is leading us over the course of our time. It says, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Up until this moment, what Paul is communicating is that even creation lives in tension realizing that things are not as right as God wants them to be. In Revelation 21, where John is raptured into this visitation or this encounter, and in chapter 21, he says, I heard a voice from the throne, and the voice said that the tabernacle of God has been established upon the earth, and that God has found his abiding in the midst of his people that he purchased with blood and claimed for his own possession. That God is in their midst in the way that he has always wanted to be. And they are his people and they are his God. It says that he is wiping every teary eye dry. That he is abolishing death forever and that he is righting every wrong. Well, Paul is communicating here in Romans 8 up until this point that even creation realizes that there's an influence of corruption, that even creation itself is groaning and longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God, those that will rule alongside of this bridegroom king, this glorious son of man, Jesus Christ, the rightful ruler of the universe and the creation as we know it. And creation recognizes that there's a subjection to a particular futility of sorts. It realizes things are not right. They're not as right as God wants them to be because of the influence of sin and rulers and powers. And so Paul is saying that there is a groan that has even filled the creation itself as it is longing for the ultimate reconciliation when the rightful ruler returns and takes his place upon the earth once again and sets his throne up to tabernacle in the midst of a people that have been purchased with his own life and blood. And creation knows it. Creation knows it. And because creation knows 
it groans. We have to make the connection here. Because creation knows, it groans. Well, in the next verse, as we pick it up, he says that the creation also groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. That's the end of verse 22 and 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost? And we too, having the first fruits of the Spirit. In Ephesians 1, Paul would say it this way. The Spirit has been given as a pledge, as a down payment, in order to secure or to bear witness of God's desire unto his possession. That there is a people purchased with blood. This is the song they sing in Revelation 5. You've done it. You've purchased a people with your own blood. You have redeemed them from the corruption of the world, from the tyranny of slavery under rulers and powers. You've rescued them from the influence of the wicked one. And Colossians 1 translated them from the domain of darkness and brought them into and underneath the leadership of the son that you love. He says here, those of us that have the spirit, we groan too. But we groan, recognizing and eagerly awaiting our adoption as sons, which is the redemption of our bodies themselves. In the previous verses, we had the creation that was groaning because it recognizes God has a particular purpose and that purpose is advancing God's agenda. And there's coming a moment at the end of the age when God will reconcile all things as he has always wanted. And everything that God wants, God is going to get. And there's no devil in hell that can derail the plans of God. There's no influence of a corrupt agenda that can de-align things from what God is after. But here we move from creation to those of us that bear the Spirit. And the implications is that if you are filled with the Spirit, then you should be filled with a groan. If you are filled with the Spirit, then there should be an appetite for the things of God. There should be an awakening on the inside unto God's purposes. There should be an acknowledgement that God is doing something. And my life is a part of a bigger story than my own desires. And what I'm hungering and thirsting after is righteousness. Because those that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. And Paul says that those who have the spirit should also have a groan because creation is groaning, acknowledging God's desires, realizing God's agenda and being aligned or synchronized of sorts because it knows what God wants. It groans for the fulfillment of the things that God is after. Well, Paul now moves to those of us who are born again, who've received the Spirit as a pledge, as a down deposit, 
as an impartation in order to bear witness to what it is that God wants, in order for us to realize that God has a purpose, he has an agenda, he has a plan, he is working all things together for good to those that love him, that have been called by his name and according to his purpose. And Paul says, for those of us that have the spirit, we should also have a groan. And there should be an acknowledgement that God is after something and that our appetites are in alignment with the things that God wants. Those of us that have been redeemed from the influence of powers and rulers, those of us that have been rescued. How many of you know that King Jesus is on a rescue mission? and that his spirit is at work throughout the nations of the world in order to rescue a people from darkness, in order to break into corruption and addiction and desperation and darkness, in order to bring them out and to bring them under his influence, under his leadership, transform them, conform them. He's on a rescue mission. And many of you have experienced God's goodness in rescuing you from yourself? <laughs> Woo, praise God. If God saved me from anything, he saved me from me because I was doing an amazing job at ruining my life. Those of us who know what it's like to be a prisoner of self-pursuit, those of us who know what it's like to not have anyone or anything to live for except my own satisfactions, my own desires that were lording over, ruling over my life, that created all of my hungers, all of my thirst, all of my own vain ambitions that were legislating and navigating what my life experience was. Many of us know what it's like to be down in the pit. Many of us know what it's like in need of being rescued from darkness and corruption. Many of us know what it's like to be in need of a savior. And then these two words, but God, have come crashing into the timeline of our life. These two words, but God, that have revolutionized our trajectory. These two words, but God, that have radically aligned us with Jesus as King and now commissioned us to be his ambassadors, to live on behalf of his purposes. Paul says, those of us who have the spirit, we should also be groaning for the things that God wants. Those of us that have been rescued from darkness, have been redeemed from the world system and all of the appetites that are normal to the world and the rebels and the hostile peoples around us, we should be groaning for what God wants and not groaning for the things that the people of the world want. And as we continue on, he says, for in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. There's an energy in our waiting. That's what eagerly means. That our waiting is not inactive, but it's energized. It's infused with the life of God. 
that our waiting is not an inactive posture, but in our waiting, we are partnering, recognizing that God is attempting to advance an agenda and our participation in God's story as the people of God. As we're waiting, we are energized. We are eagerly anticipating. We're not waiting in vain. We're not waiting in some empty, hollow way. We are convinced of God's promises. We've put our anchor down in his goodness. We believe with expectancy and hope and purpose and promise. And our posture is one that demonstrates that we actually believe him. Not because we're actually waiting, but because of how we are actually waiting waiting. He says, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. And in the same way, verse 26, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Let me just encourage you tonight. If you feel like your reach for God is weak, he knows. And he's given us the spirit in order to help us in our weaknesses, in order to help us in the way that we lean for him and reach for him as a people. He's given us the spirit. He's provided us with the greatest resource that there is to be known. We have the life of God residing on the inside. We have the down payment of God's own life, the Holy Spirit. What more could God share with you than himself in the most intimate way to occupy or to reside on the inside, to come alive from within and to bring you into alignment and to fellowship and to union, as Paul told the Corinthians, for if any man gives himself to God, then the two come into union and become one in spirit and tonight if you feel like your reach for God is weak at times if you just feel like man I just can't connect the dots in the way that I want to I just can't get through or get over that there's things that I know that I should be after I should be hungering for there's ways that I know that my attention should be harnessed there's ways that I know that my appetites should be aligned but as much as I try in and of my own might in and of my own power by my own strength I just can't seem to get the job done Paul says God has given us the spirit to help us in our weaknesses. And I would encourage you tonight that if you feel like your reach is weak, help is on the way. If you feel like your lean has been insufficient, help is on the way. For it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. That insufficiency that many of us realize and recognize of what we are capable of producing when left to our own devices, that help is on the way, that you've not been abandoned, you've not been left alone. God's not laughing at you and mocking you and criticizing you while you're trying to figure it out, but he's actually sent the spirit and the spirit is alive on 
the inside and the spirit is groaning on the inside and the spirit is real and powerful on the inside and the spirit is going to energize an appetite on the inside for the things of God tonight. It's John G. Lake that is known for saying when he was asked if there was one thing that you could guarantee out of every meeting that you preached. And his, ex- his response is extraordinary to me. He says, I would have it that a spiritual hunger would come upon the people of God. Where a desire for the things of God would overtake their life. Where an appetite for God himself and for his purposes would be quickened within and would bring about a life or a drive or a fuel to the heart fire where they would cast off other lovers and vain pursuits, where they would offload from their attention and their affections and their appetites, things that are rivaling the things that God wants, where they would go all in, where they would be sold out, where they would put their anchor in God himself and the things that he wants. John G. Lake said, I would have it that hunger would come upon the people of God. What would it look like tonight if God would gift you with spiritual hunger unprecedented to any season you've ever known? What would it look like if he awakened you in a way that was troubling to your status quo, to all of your norms, to the cute Christianity that we know how to present to others and even the world around us? What would happen if God awakened hunger to the point where it got messy? What would happen if God awakened hunger to the place where it got inconvenient? What would happen if God awakened hunger and put a fire on the inside and awakened a groan from within to where it was no longer manageable with your mastering of all the dials and the management of your own life and knowing how to compartmentalize it here and hide it here? What would happen if God blew up the whole system and hunger overtook you? Paul says, those of us that have the spirit, those of us that realize in our weakness, we're never going to be able to get it done on our own. He says, God has put a deposit in your life that is going to make up what seems like the chasm. He helps you in your weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we should. Listen to that again. Many of us are going to find amazing encouragement in that. For we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When was the last time you got gripped by God and with nothing but tears and a shaky lip from not necessarily being able to articulate in a fancy way or in an impressive way what you were feeling, what you were sensing, how God was piercing and penetrating. When was the last time that deep was calling unto deep and you knew that you were being apprehended by God, but that God was doing something and it was so real and it was alive on the inside, but you couldn't necessarily communicate it in as fancy of a way as you felt like people wanted and you wept 
When was the last time you were gripped by God and travailed? When was the last time you were gripped by God with groanings and utterances at the consideration of God's purposes for your own life and how your life occupies a unique space in God's story? He says the Spirit is praying for us with groanings and utterances at times when we realize that are too deep for words. And he searches the hearts, or and he who searches the hearts knows, the mind, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit is interceding for you tonight according to God's purpose for your life. The Spirit is praying for you. The Spirit is on behalf of God's desires for you, mediating intercession. The Spirit on behalf of God's agenda for you tonight is groaning. Oh, if we were able to hear the intercession of the Spirit for us. Father, I'm praying that you wake them from their slumber. I'm praying that you put fire on them and that they would burn for you and for your purposes. I pray that they would shake the things of the world and all of the lesser lovers and the counterfeit appetites and agendas. I'm praying that you would finally be able to arrest them and align them and where they would even potentially for the first time go all in in crossing the threshold of being sold out. Man, if we could hear the intercession of the Spirit tonight to realize that God has a desire to apprehend a people, that it is the Spirit's agenda to put fire and power on a people and to align them with God's purposes. Paul would have said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God because his grace was not shared with me in vain in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I know that we look at Acts chapter 1 and 2 a lot of times in order to find a reference point and to get our bearings on God's desires to share himself with the people. The outpouring of the Spirit, fire resting upon a people. But there's a passage in the Old Testament that is worth our consideration. In Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel is in this wild vision and of the things that he sees, he sees a man in linen. He sees cherubim and creatures. He sees elders and all sorts of activity in the heavens, much like what was referenced in Ezekiel chapter 1. When he says, there, out by the river Kibar, I was standing and the heavens were open and I was taken into visions of God. Well, now in chapter 10, he is once again invited or privileged to look upon things that the implications are others aren't necessarily seeing. 
But of the things that he sees, he sees a man in linen who's commanded to take the fire from the temple. And in my Bible, Ezekiel chapter 10 is referenced as the glory of God departing from the temple. That's the subheading. That's the reference to the chapter in Ezekiel chapter 10. The glory of God departing from the temple. Well, in verse 6, it says that the man in linen is commanded to take the fire. And then when you come down to verse 18, it says, with the cherubim above the temple or the tabernacle of sorts, that the glory of God and the fire was departing. Well, there's a question that we should ask ourselves. If the fire is departing and the glory is being lifted off of the structure, off of the temple as they would have known it. For the rest of the Old Testament, you should be asking yourself, where's the fire? Ezekiel saw the fire departing. He saw the glory of God departing. For the remainder of the Old Testament, you should be asking the question, because in the details, it should provoke a certain level of investigation. Where's the fire? Where's the glory? Where is God tangibly, demonstratively in the midst of his people? For the rest of the Old Testament, there's no glimpse of fire. But when you come to the book of Acts, you find that Jesus is alive from the dead and ascended on high. He's enthroned in the heavens awaiting the moment of his return. The angels tell them the same way you saw him go is how he will return. He told them, go and wait for the promise of the Father. Once again, a posture that's not inactive, but a posture that is infused with eager anticipation. It's a posture of fasting and praying. It's a posture of worship and interceding. It's a posture of devotion and consecration. Go and tarry. Go and wait. Go and eagerly anticipate. He knew it would be 10 days, but they didn't have an exact idea of the timeline. They just gave themselves to a posture that would demonstrate they were going all in with God. And here in Acts 2, gathered together in an upper room with a posture of consecration and devotion, with a posture of worship and intercession, with a posture of fasting and praying, together in one accord, the suddenly of God hit the house. And we have the return of the fire. The fire has come back. And the fire has come back, yes, to fill a place, but the fire has come to get on and to get in a people. And the implications of Acts chapter two is that the fire and the glory is going viral because they didn't stay rested or lodged up in an upper room, but God scattered them. He exiled them from the upper room to get out into the streets. And now these creatures, for if any 
any man is in Christ, that man is a new creature. Now, this family of new creatures, a people transformed, a people being conformed. We're out in the streets, aligned to God, proclaiming his return. Because the fire was back. Because the spirit had come to help them in their weakness. Because God had provided them with the greatest resource the world has ever known in order to align them to him and his purposes. The fire had come back. From Ezekiel 10, fire goes. Acts chapter two, the fire has come back, but the fire has come back to rest upon a people. The fire has come back in order to get upon the people of God, in order to unite them and align them. The fire has come back in order to synchronize them with God's agenda and to awaken an appetite on the inside of them for God's purposes. And from that moment forward, you find a people that were redefined by what God was doing. Everything up until that moment in their life, now there was a pivot. Now there was a shift. Now there was a difference. There was a hinge point on what God had done by way of encounter or experience. There was a moment over the timeline of their life where they could look at previously who they knew themselves to be, but then God did what he did. Then God gripped them. Then God arrested them. Then God awakened them. Then God filled them. Then God put fire on them. And from that day moving forward, they recognized that things were not what they were accustomed to. Things were not what they had always known. There was now a difference. And like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, now what I am, I am by the grace of God. God has made the difference. God has transformed me because I know very well who I would be if God ever lifted his hand or his purpose or his spirit or his call, I know what I'm capable of if God were to ever depart from my life. There was a reference point for transformation in their lives. And I believe tonight that the Lord wants to create a reference point on the timeline of our lives. It's actually something that I've been asking God for that I don't have the power to produce in and of my own strength. This is not something that gifting or charisma or personality or influence is going to be able to accomplish. If God does not awaken something of a deep nature on the inside, a deep that would call out to deep, if God does not touch us in the deepest place of our longings and desires. If God does not move us in the place of our affections and our appetites, if the Spirit doesn't provide real help and give assistance and be the resource that we absolutely need in order to accomplish God's agenda. But I believe that God wants to do it tonight. 
I believe that God wants to do it tonight. And so I'm going to ask you all over the room to stand up with me. And when you stand in whatever way you know how, I'm just going to invite you right there where you are to begin to reach for the Lord. Whatever that means to you, whatever that looks like, just to begin to, in hunger, in whatever measure of hunger you may feel that you have tonight, if it's a little bit, then acknowledge that it's a little bit and say, Lord, touch me. I want to be hungrier than I know that I am. Lord, I need help tonight because I don't even know how to be hungry. I don't even know what being hungry for the things of God would look like. Lord, I need grace in my appetite for it to be awakened so that you can align me, so that you can put fire on me, so that you can put your harness on me where my appetites wouldn't be given over to the things of this life the material things of this world, the vain pursuits of the system of the age. Lord, do something in me tonight where I can come alive to you and your purposes. Do something in me tonight where you would grip me and apprehend me. Do something in me tonight where I could cross the threshold and go all in with God and your purposes. Come on, right there where you are. Lord, would you awaken hunger on the inside? Would you awaken hunger on the inside? Would you touch the hearts of your people tonight? And deposit a desire that would radicalize them. That would radicalize them. where we would be rewilded of sorts. Awaken a passion, a hunger. Holy Spirit, you know every story. You know our preoccupations. You know the things that we dream about. You know the pursuits that have apprehended us and created a particular motivation it's a drive, it's a fuel within us that moves us to do the things that we do. Lord, I'm asking you tonight all over the room to put hunger for the things of God, to awaken an appetite in a people that have been redeemed, a people that have been rescued from darkness. Awaken an appetite for the things of God where we would find ourselves groaning at the consideration of your purposes, yes. weeping at the consideration of your agenda. Lord, grip us tonight in a way that only you can. As deep is calling unto deep, we want to be yours. And we want to be given over to your purposes. Lord, do something in your people tonight that only you can do. Do something in your people tonight that only you can do. Apprehend them from the youngest to the oldest. Apprehend them, those who feel they have the resume and those who realize they don't. Apprehend them 
regardless of stature or status. Apprehend them, regardless of personality or profile. Apprehend them, regardless of financial stature. Apprehend them. Grip them tonight. There's a groaning in creation. There's a groaning in the spirit. And there should be a groaning in those of us that bear the spirit. Those of us that are in Christ. Those of us that have received the down payment or the pledge of God's own life in the Holy Ghost. Lord, send your invitation out all over the room. All over the room, all over the room, all over the room. All over the room. To hunger and thirst. To hunger and thirst. I'm casting off other appetites. Lord, give me grace to conquer the other drives and pursuits and lesser lovers. Everything that's gained traction in my affections. Help me tonight to have an appetite that's been awakened to the things of God. And I want to live a life of devotion and consecration. I want my posture and my waiting to be eager. Worship and intercession, fasting and praying. I want to go all in on the things of God. I want to go all in on seeing a move in my moment of history. I want to go all in in believing for an unprecedented outpouring, awakening, awakening in my generation, revival in my time. I want to see God move. I want to see God shake history as we know it. Lord, touch my life where I would groan for these things. Touch my life where I would have an appetite for these things. Touch my life where I would no longer be okay with the status quo. Grip me, arrest me, apprehend me. I want to want these things. Come on, I want to want these things. I want to want these things. Lord, a historic outpouring of your spirit, an unprecedented awakening and revival in my moment of history. Come on, and I won't be okay. I refuse to be okay. I won't just go around pretending like everything's all right. God has gripped me. He's awakened me. I'm going to travail for the things of God. I'm going to weep and groan for a move of His Spirit. I'm going to give myself in the secret place and the public place to posture myself to pursue. I'm going to posture myself to pursue. I'm going to posture myself to pursue. And the Spirit is going to help me with this weak reach. Lord, this is all I have. 
But if you will make up the difference, I'll give myself. Here I come with my two fish and five loaves. But if you'll multiply it, if you'll make up the difference, if you'll take this little bit that I have and turn it in to what it is that you know you need, if you'll put your fire on it, if you'll put your power on it, if you'll make up what I realize is my lack, then Lord, I'll bring you what it is that I have. And if you'll use my weak reach, then Lord, I'll give you this weak reach and I'll posture myself to have an appetite for the things of God. Come on, if that's you tonight and you're willing to bring your weak reach to the Lord, then I'm just gonna ask you, just for the next few moments, let's get out of our seats and let's fill these altars down here in the front and let's posture ourselves to pursue the things of God. Let's posture ourselves to weep and groan at the consideration of God breaking in to our moment of history. Let's posture ourselves. Lord, here I am. I will reach for you. Here I am, apprehend me tonight for the things of God. Arrest me tonight for the purposes of God. Here I am tonight, awaken my appetite for the things of God. Come on, we're gonna tarry, we're gonna travail, we're gonna weep, we're gonna groan, we're gonna lean in and we're gonna reach. on if you feel the Lord tugging your heart if you feel the Lord tugging your heart just begin to reach just begin to reach come on if you feel the Spirit's invitation tonight just begin to reach I refuse to be okay I won't go another day with all of the status quo and the norms I won't be conditioned to where the things that have become normal will just continue to be normal. Lord, shake me, move me, awaken me, apprehend me. Shake me, move me, awaken me, apprehend me. Come on, Lord, release power tonight. Release power upon the sons and daughters of God. Release power for your purposes tonight upon your people. The fire has come back. Lord, send your fire upon every sacrifice. Send your fire upon every son. Send your fire upon every daughter. Thank you again for listening today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. 
If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website at www.burningones.org, or download our app.